The words that we say and the conflicts that can arise from it are actually uh, what um, is held out in the text that's before us this morning as we carry on in a series in the middle of the book of Acts that I'm calling On Mission. And by the way, I forgot to mention earlier in announcements that during our sabbatical time as we were touring through those cities of Paul, starting up in Philippi, which we're going to get into in Acts 16 if we ever get to Acts 16, and then from Philippi, Thessalonica, down around Athens and Corinth, and off, off around to Patmos and Ephesus. And as we were traveling through those places and taking pictures and reflecting and thinking, we, we wanted to share that. And so I mentioned before we left, and I brought it back. Now that we are back, I put together a devotional booklet that I've called 30 Days with Paul on Mission. So if you want to share some of the pictures of things that we saw while we were there and some of, um, some of my thoughts about those places and things and how that relates to God's Word, then I invite you to take one of these. There are a few of them left. We'll probably get more. We'll have more printed for next week. They're on the, in, in the information stand in the back in the foyer. So after you've signed up at the sign-up tables in the foyer for whatever you need to sign up for, then you can turn around and see if there's one of those booklets left for you. Also, in the blast this week, there was in, there was in the BP blast, there was, in, there was a link where you can get an electronic copy. You could put it on your phone, your tablet, your computer computer. So there's an electronic copy available as well. You could also give that away to others. Wanted to be able to share that with the church. That brings me to the insert for our series on mission that you find in your bulletin this morning. This is what I fully intended to share with you today. However, while I was backpacking and hiking and laying, looking up at the trees, at the stars of the heaven and thinking deep thoughts, I realized I can't do all of that this Sunday. We actually need to back up with a little bit. We need, to, we, we need to slow down at least a little bit. And we need to focus on really the first part of what I had intended to share. I wanted to talk about when we're on mission, what gets in the way? We talked about some of the things that keep a church from being on mission, that, that a church needs to sort through to be ready for mission last week. A clarity in the gospel. A sensitivity to people around us and things that we might do that are Maybe not, not uh, terrible things, but would be offensive to others, and especially ways that idolatry and sexual immorality can derail us from being on mission to others. Things that get in the way of the gospel in our own lives. That if we're going to share the gospel with others, we need to be living in that gospel for ourselves. So that's getting ready for mission. But when the church is ready to be on mission, the enemy is going to jump right in the middle of that. The enemy's going to be in the way. If we're going to be on mission as a church in the community around us as well as around the world, and I'll talk more about that a little bit later, then you can be sure there's going to be opposition. You can expect there's going to be trouble. The enemy is going to rise up and resist that because that's what he does. He does not want the light of the gospel penetrating into his domain of darkness, either in our own lives or especially in the lives of those around us. And so when the church is on mission, the enemy is going to oppose that. And there's some particular ways that we see in the passage that's before us that he does that, where we've been and where we're going. Let me just rehearse some of those ways that... Way, ways to get a church off mission. First of all, confusion about the gospel. We saw that in Acts chapter 15. Insensitivity towards others, the Gentiles as believers in Jesus, not under the law, but the church, the elders, the, the apostles did say, but brothers and sisters, 
be sensitive about these things that Jewish people around you will be especially sensitive to. Be sensitive to some of their hang-ups so that that doesn't get in the way of your sharing the gospel with them. And insensitivity to others will get you off mission. Idolatry, seeking false fulfillment in something else. Sexual immorality easily creeps in. And these are, as I said last week, we live in Corinth. Idolatry and immorality are the biggest things keeping believers from sharing the gospel with others because it, this, this cloud comes over their own life. Either they're distracted by something else that they think will fulfill or this sense of shame because of their own, own sin and unworthiness keeps them from sharing the forgiveness of Christ with others. Past that, what we're going to look at today is personal conflicts, following on with that, a lack of personal sacrifice and uncertainty of God's direction. How can I know what God is calling me to do? How can I know where he would have me to go? We've got some people in our church that are, that are walking in those paths right now, working through where God is leading them and taking next steps. We're going to pray for some of that. I thought we would be praying for that even as we concluded that last, last number seven, but we're not going to get to that this morning. Instead, we're going, to, we're going to drill down, we're going to focus in Acts chapter 15 from verse 36. Acts chapter 15, verse 36. And I'm, I'm going to take just the first move. So save this insert. This insert is not only good for this week. In fact, the, the, you're going to get two for one. Two weeks, well, we're going to save a tree. Okay? We're going to use the same insert, bring it back next week. And we will finish this next week in those last two sections. First of all, we want to talk especially about Barnabas and Paul. There were the best of times with Barnabas and Paul, and there were the not-so-good times with Barnabas and Paul. And Acts chapter 13, Acts chapter 14 were some of those great times. Now in Acts chapter 15, they have helped the rest of the church see the, the riches, the fullness, and this extent of the gospel. It's wonderful times for Barnabas and Paul. And then the enemy steps in and sows dissension, conflict between them. Let's pick it up in Acts chapter 15. And verse 36. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's return and visit the brothers in every city, brothers and sisters, in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Let's strengthen them. Let's help them further. Now, Barnabas wanted to take with them John, called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn or abandoned them in Pamphylia, and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement, so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. Father, would you help us to learn from this? Lord, We'll see as we go how you worked in this, how you put it back together. But, Father, would you help us to see, Lord, that we might uh, guard our church, guard our relationships one to another from sharp disagreement, that the enemy, the enemy might try to use to hinder our being on mission together as your body. We pray that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Paul and Barnabas are ready to go out. And yet the enemy 
jumps right into the middle of that and says, oh, wait a minute, not so fast. When the church is ready to be on mission, when the church is advancing, the enemy is going to get in the way. And the first, one of the, one of the strategies, one of the tactics that he uses is conflict between brothers and sisters in Christ. And we see it here with Barnabas and Paul. They had been through a lot together. They owed a lot to each other. And yet, it all falls apart. It all seems to unravel here at the end of that climactic chapter of Acts chapter 15. Well, first of all, who is Barnabas? Who is Barnabas? Did you know that Barnabas is not Barnabas' name? Barnabas is his nickname. In Acts chapter 4, we're introduced to him as Joseph, whom the disciples called Barnabas, which means the son of encouragement. Barnabas was such an encourager that they called him encourager. They called him the son of encouragement. Barnabas was always lifting others up. That's what he did because that's who he was. I remember years ago when we were in Swaziland, a Swazi pastor um, had, had, had brought a message into our, into our, our Transworld Radio mission team. He'd, we were together for staff meeting, and he was sharing a message with us, and it was about Barnabas, and Barnabas the encourager. He called him shoulder pads. The Barnabas would cushion the blows that often crash between. If you, if you, if you watched any college football this weekend, you saw the, the shoulder pads in action, and Barnabas was there to cushion the blows that easily come between one another. Barnabas, a son of encourager, who had encouraged Paul. He's the one, when Paul came to believe in Christ and he comes back to Jerusalem, the disciples, the apostles, they don't want anything to do with Paul or Saul. They know him as the persecutor of the believers. They know him as the, as the killer of Christians, as the jailer of the followers of Jesus. And they're, they're not sure they can trust themselves to Saul, now also known as Paul. Barnabas is the one who goes to him and, bring, and comes alongside Paul and brings him into the company of the other apostles. Barnabas is the one who later on, after, after Paul has gone back to Tarsus, and there the Lord is further preparing him for ministry, when Barnabas is sent up to the church at Antioch in Acts chapter 11, and, 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 and Barnabas sees what's going on here and how Gentiles are coming to faith and, and the potential and the possibilities of what God is doing in this church, he's like, wow, what a sweet spot for ministry. I'm going to take this pulpit. No. Barnabas leaves Antioch and he goes to Tarsus and he gets Paul and he says, Paul, there is a place where God is going to use you in ministry. He digs Paul and he brings Paul back and introduces him to Antioch and they continued in ministry there. Barnabas has been Paul's sponsor into the ministry that God had given him. That's the relationship between these two because that's who Barnabas is. God has made Barnabas a son of encouragement and so that's what they call him. Who is Paul? Paul is the tip of the spear. Paul is the hardened steel tip of the mission spear. Paul is, is laser focused on the task at hand. Paul is not so worried about pleasing men as he is pleasing God. And he's going to do what God has set before him to do. And his eye is on the prize. His aim is toward the goal. He's going to run his race. He's going to finish his course. 
And he so much as tells the Galatians, am I, as, as he writes hard things to them, and he says in chapter 1, verse 10, am I, am I now pleasing men or am I pleasing God? Because if I were pleasing men, I would not be pleasing God. Paul's default was to please God, to do what God had set before him to do, and to stand for what God had given him to stand for, even if people around him didn't like it. Paul was on purpose, on task. He willingly equates mission with hardship and suffering in Colossians 11, or 2 Corinthians 11, rather. He, he says, are they servants of Christ? He said, I far more, in far more beatings and imprisonments and shipwrecks and hardships and sufferings and on he goes. That's his measure of faithful service to Christ. He had endured much to proclaim the gospel where it had not been known. That was his aim. He was the hardened edge, the hardened point of the spear. That was Paul. Are Barnabas and Paul different? Absolutely. They probably complemented each other very well as they trekked across Asia Minor from town to town, as they, as they served together, one of them very sensitive to the people going on, one of them very clear and focused on the truth of the gospel. And they worked together, they complemented each other. And so Paul says, Paul's got this idea, you know, after all this has come out of the Acts 15 Jerusalem conference, we need to go back and visit those churches again. He's, and Paul comes to Barnabas and Paul says, hey, Barn, I got an idea. We should go back to those churches and we should, we should revisit, we should let them know what happened in Jerusalem and, and strengthen them further and who knows where God will lead from there. And Barnabas says, Paul, that is a great idea. Man, I am ready to go. In fact, my bags have already been packed, you know, basically since we got home. I, I changed out, I did some laundry, and I'm ready to go. Let me just go tell John Mark. Oh, wait a minute. You want to tell who? Why would you tell John Mark? Well, well, John Mark needs to go with us again. You remember, he, he needs to go. No, no, no. John Mark needs to not go. I do remember what happened last time. Well, because, well, Paul, what happened last time, you know, with John Mark, you know, he didn't stick with us. He didn't, he didn't follow through. He wasn't able to endure when, 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 when the difficult times came. You know, he needs to track through that again. This is what's not only good for the ministry, but this is what's good for John Mark. Oh, Barnabas. Barnabas, that's easy for you to say. You're not the one who got stoned after John Mark left us, abandoned us, and did not have our back so that we would know what was going on in the crowd. Barnabas says, what do you mean? I, I, you're the one who's always talking about grace. You're the one who's always talking about forgiveness. Yeah, but, Bar but Barnabas, in, 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 in matters like this, with somebody who's close to you, you are so soft-hearted, sometimes you're soft-headed as well. Yeah, well, Paul, you know what? Sometimes you can be just as harsh and hypocritical as those Pharisee friends you used to hang around with. Whew. Barnabas, you so easily forget what he did in the past. Paul, you so easily forget what you did in the past and what I did for you, too. A sharp disagreement arose between them. Who's right? Who's wrong? You know, the fun thing about this story, God doesn't say. He said, that's right. 
He left it for me to decide. That's what you're thinking. God laid this out here for me to decide who's right and wrong because that's what I do. My job as a Christian is to decide who's right and who's wrong and where to put the blame. That's my spiritual gift. <sighs> Please. We've got way too much of that spiritual gift in the church, all right? Look for another one. There needs to be a balance between person and purpose here. Between encouragement and evangelist. The danger in missions and in churches is if we use people to get stuff done. We used to have a saying in Transworld Radio, we too easily, we used people to take care of radio transmitters. And those transmitters were going to wear out. Those transmitters were going to fail. Those transmitters were going to rust into dust sooner or later. How was it that we could burn out missionaries, ruin people, taking care of stuff? We dare not do that in mission. We dare not do that in the church. We dare not do that in our relationships together, that we don't use people, misuse people, abuse people in order to get good stuff done. Let's reimagine the Barnabas and Paul conflict. How might it have gone differently if they had simply heard each other, listened to the other, instead of talking past one another with the arrows getting sharper and sharper as the exchange went on? Take John Mark. I don't know. I can see that's important. But I'm not sure he's ready for the deep end again. You know, how, you know how difficult it got. I mean, they, 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 they stoned me and left me for dead last time. I, I understand your concern. I, I, know, I, I know what happened. And, and if he doesn't make it, if he bailed on us again, you know, that, that could happen too. He might not be ready. He might, he might do it again. And if he does, that would hinder you from being able to, to go further and advance where God might be leading us with the gospel at that time. I, I, I understand that. It seems like, it seems like we have two, two competing passions here, Barnabas. It seems like both of them are good and from God. One is to, there's a need to restore Mark, and, but there's also the need to extend the mission. I know, Paul. What if we did this? I'll take John Mark with me. I'll go back to Cyprus. I'm from there. I know the lay of the land. And, and he made it through Cyprus last time, although that was a little uncertain for him when, they, when the sorcery and magic stuff started coming up. That, that, that kind of rattled him. But I'll take him through there again. And we'll, we'll, we'll walk some of that same part of the journey before, and then we'll try to make that, that transition from there up into Asia Minor and Pamphylia again, where he didn't, and we'll see if we can get over that hump this time around. You take, you know, maybe, what about Silas? Silas is well known in the Jerusalem church as well. In fact, Silas also is a Roman citizen just like you. That could come in real handy if, if the Lord does cause you to go out further into the Roman Empire that, that, having, that having somebody like Silas with you could be golden. That's what we'll do. You go that way, I'll go that way. We'll check back in when we're both back in Antioch and see what happened. We'll see what the Lord will do. That's how it could have been. In fact, that ends up, even in their sharp disagreement, that's what God did. Now, it wasn't with their, their engineering. It wasn't with their smoothing it out. There was apparently some difference, some sharp disagreement that lasted 
a while. I don't know how long. It didn't last forever. God did put them back together as well. But they did separate. Barnabas went off to Cyprus with John Mark. And Paul took Silas, who was perfectly suited for what they were going to run into in Philippi because he was a Roman citizen too. And, and Paul and Silas head off into Asia Minor, Turkey. They visit some of those same cities. And then they continue pressing on into new regions that they might not have even had the time for and the energy for. The seasons might not have been right for travel if they'd done the whole circuit they had done before. So what the enemy used to get the church off of mission, God takes it and he turns it and he uses it to advance the mission instead. Why? Because like Barnabas is an encourager because that's who Barnabas is. Like Paul is laser focused on the task because that's who Paul is. God is the restorer and advancer because that's who he is. He redeems this conflict that the enemy would use to ruin the mission and God uses it to multiply the mission instead because that's who God is. The very things the enemy would use to try to ruin us, to try to destroy it, God takes it and turns it and somehow uses it for good. That's why we can trust ourselves to him in every situation rather than resting in the circumstances or be controlled by the circumstances that we find ourselves in. The Bible doesn't say who was right, but we do know that there was a reconciliation. Later on, Paul writes to the church at Colossae, and he says, and, and if you see John Mark, if John Mark comes by, who I wrote to you about, you be sure and receive him well, because he's a, he, is, he is a servant of the Lord. Later on, Paul, at the end of his ministry, second imprisonment, he writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy. He's telling Timothy, Timothy, come to me. You know, I, I, Timothy, come before winter. I don't, we don't have a lot of time here. And, and Timothy, can you get word can you send John Mark? Because John Mark would be fruitful, would be helpful for me for ministry here. And Paul's not thinking, hey, I've got some needs. I have some things that I need John Mark to do for me. Paul's got openings and opportunities, and he thinks John Mark's the one for it there in Rome. But he can see even from his cell. Send me John Mark. He will be fruitful for me for ministry. There's a reconciliation. Look what God has done. And that gives you and I hope that in the midst of our conflicts, in the midst of our conflicts, God can restore that. Why? Because of this table. Because that's what redemption looks like in real life. That we forgive others even as God in Christ has forgiven us. We need to value people as well as purposes. Let me give you an illustration of that. In this church, I do not want, in this church, I do not want us to use people to get stuff done. I'll give you an example. There was recently a person here in our church body who was managing our Koinonia Cafe, along with several other ministry roles. They had some changes at work, more hours, more responsibility, more stress. All of this happened at once. And they simply didn't have the bandwidth to continue doing these several roles as they had before when work was part-time, not overtime. They were able to say, with our leadership, they were able to say, I'm just not able to do this any longer. I'll need to step down from those roles by this date. A load of stress was removed. 
a servant of Christ was spared a nervous breakdown. The last thing we want to do is burn somebody out, break somebody down, so that we will have coffee and cookies on Sunday morning. We don't want to use and abuse people to get ministry stuff done. Now I know what you're thinking. Now you're concerned. Am I not going to get coffee and cookies on Sunday morning? I don't know. One of the measures we have for ministries here at Brush Prairie is the ministries we do are those that our body is passionate about participating in. We need a new lead organizer, manager, coordinator of the cafe if we're going to have a cafe. We need a new lead person. Exactly what that role looks like, I don't know. It varies to the person, just like Paul's mission and Barnabas' mission looked a little differently based on the person that God was using in that role at that time. So it's going to vary a little bit. It could be look like this. It could look like this. It could look like some combination of that or something over here. There's lots of different ways that that could look. Our cafe is an important connection ministry. People, people can meet new people. They can reconnect. Our church family can encourage one another, can pray for one another there, and we can get coffee and cookies. If you think that the next cafe coordinator or manager Whatever that should look like might be you. Let's talk about it further. Let's take a next exploratory step. Because I, too, like coffee and cookies. And I love bumping into people in that kind of a setting before or in between the services. Let me give you another example. We we won't use people for mission purposes. We won't use or misuse people. Awana is starting, as I mentioned. We're not going to arm twist. We're not going to guilt trip any of you into serving in Awana, are we? Are we, are, are we guilt tripping? I don't think so. We're not, we're not guilt tripping anybody into serving in Awana. Now, it's a wonderful opportunity that we have to be, for, for this ministry to families in our church and families outside of our church into the community. We have 200 kids, over 200 kids here on a Thursday night. Now, if you go over to our Sunday school, we do not have 200 kids over there. But on Thursday nights, there's 200 kids here. How can that be? Because this ministry extends beyond us out into families in the community. Some of those families go to other churches who, can, who do not have Awana. Some of them do not go to church. And yet the Word of God is hidden into the hearts of those kids, and they take it home to their families. And their parents help them to memorize it. And as I said before, then they're stuck with it too. And God, God's Word does its work. Faith comes by hearing. We've seen in this ministry, learning, memorizing, understanding key verses from God's Word. We've seen it change the lives of kids. We've seen families changed by that ministry. It's worth doing. But we only keep at it. We only keep doing it year by year as we have the people who have the passion and can make the margin to be able to participate in it. If, if a ministry no longer has the people that can participate in it, that's the time that that maybe needs to be rolled up or put on the shelf or maybe God's calling us to do something differently. We need to as a church, let me summarize that, as a church we don't want to use people, we don't want to abuse people just because we've got stuff to do. There are people who aren't here at Brush Prairie because of ways that they felt misused, mistreated, or misspoken of by others. 
They're not here because of a personal con- conflict. In the last year, there has been people that I have said something to or about or something that I said that I didn't even know how it, how it was heard by them, and it was hurtful. And I'm a relatively insensitive person anyway, and so... It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real pastoral liability, I can assure you. But, but I did not know that I had hurt them. And yet, when they came to me, oh, I'm so sorry. Either I was wrong and I was just careless, or I didn't realize. But I, either way, I'm sorry. I do not want to hurt you. There's somebody that some of you need to have a conversation like that with. Maybe a phone conversation, maybe in person, this weekend or soon. There's some of you that are here because there was a conflict like that at another church somewhere in the past. And I would urge you, don't let that just linger out there. Don't let that just fester and develop into a root of bitterness either for you or maybe for them. Revisit that. Bring God's grace back into that, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven us. You know, that's what Colossians chapter 3 tells us to do. Turn over to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. It says, to put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. I remember I memorized this. It was actually in the NIV. I, remember, I don't, didn't normally memorize verses in NIV, but this one I did as part of, a, part of a training that we did for missionaries in southern Africa a lifetime ago, 15 years or so. And, and we memorized it this way. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, that's where you start from. That's who you are. That's who he's made you to be. You are God's own chosen. You're his because he said so. That's who you are. As God's chosen people, holy, unique, so special before all of heaven for his own. Dearly loved by God. That's the safe place. That's the resource. That's the standing out of which you can be exceedingly, extravagantly benevolent, gracious, generous toward others who may have wronged you. Because, man, I'm chosen by God himself. I am holy, unique, special, so deeply loved by God himself. I don't need to hold on to anything for myself. I don't need to try to guard my own position before anybody so I can freely put on, clothe myself with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. I don't have to claw my own way. God will set me where he wants me bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other. Bearing with is not because they're wrong and you're right. Bearing with is they're different, and I can't stand it. It bugs me. Bearing with is Paul, laser-focused to the task, Barnabas, soft-hearted encourager of people. 
And that clashes sometimes, and they're both right, and God has made us differently, and we're all incomplete. That's why we need one another. We complement one another, just like in a good marriage. And so, we bear with one another. They're not wrong, and I'm not right. It's just they're different, and I'll trust God with that and appreciate and value them. And if anyone has a complaint, if I have been wronged, forgiving each other, even as the Lord has forgiven you. You see it? Out of that, I have the riches of God's grace toward me of which I can be compassionate, tender-hearted, bearing with and forgiving of others. We need to be on mission, resolving, reconciling the world to Christ, and we will, we will best tell that recon reconciliation of others to Christ when we ourselves have been reconciled among ourselves and don't hold those harms and hurts and grudges within. It's out of a free heart that we can best freely give the gospel to the people around us who need to see it in us. Because we as a church need to be on mission. God has it for us to be on mission. This is where those other two points come in. Where what, what do I need to give? What cultural baggage could get in the way? How can I know God's direction for me in mission? Because we've got some people in our church. And I thought I was going to wrap up that third point so neatly. It was so well planned together. And I was going to have these folks come forward. We're going to do that next week. But we're going to have these folks come forward. Because there's some folks here in our church that God is calling on mission. So Josh and Danielle Lowen and Addison Gustafson, I want you to come up, and there's a couple of folks from our church mission team, our, our global team that is going to come up and pray with them, that these, these are, are, are folks within our body that God, like Barnabas and Paul in the church at Antioch, God didn't just do this. It's not just a history lesson. It's just something that happened then. No, God is doing this now. Not only in Antioch, but also of all places at Brush Prairie. And we've got a young, young woman who grew up here in Brush Prairie who God is taking next to Cambodia of all places. Now, if you don't want to go to Cambodia, then by all means, send her. All right? And it, Cambodia, okay, that's one thing. We've got another young couple, a beautiful young couple, lovely children, and they, want, they, 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 they sense God's leading and that the path keeps going that way towards Saudi Arabia. And so there's a next step for them in ascertaining God's will there. We want to hear something about that and we want as a church to pray for them.